Next Chapter Podcasts. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. The 500 The 500 J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition So it ain't nothing to new Hundreds more to go and in need of a friend The king of peace for Angelo Talking the 500 until the end Talking the 500 until the end with my man J.M. On the 500, talking the 500 until the end. Where there ain't no trees, and that gospel group telling you and me it's not for the love, stay for the love, traveling salvation show. That is Brother Love's Traveling Salvation Show by Neil Diamond from the Neil Diamond Collection. That is number 224 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. That is me. You are you. We are now the Fleece Army, and we are driving through music history one album at a time. I've never said that before. I actually like that. Maybe I'll remember what I did because it just came out like butter. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for joining me on the only podcast that's going through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums from 500 down to one. I just got back from Vegas. I was there um, for the week doing the Comedy Cellar. Not much went down. I did go to the Punk Rock Museum, um, which is really cool because on the weekends they have like guest hosts and one of them. Uh, this week that I went was uh, CJ Ramone, one of the bassists for the Ramones. And another week, if I would have gone like two weeks later, Matt Pinfield, our buddy uh, from the show, would have been our instruct- instructor or tour guide. Really cool. If you're in Vegas, go to the Punk Rock Museum. Uh, support because I learned a lot. I thought it was really great. Really got me into wanting to listen to the music, especially the hardcore stuff. And then I was just in Los Angeles where we did the goddamn comedy jam. Uh, man, it couldn't have gone any better. The band fucking killed it. Shout out to Element OP Music. Give them a follow. Santino killed it. Steph Talev, wow. Scalar is always good. Pauly Shore coming off an ayahuasca trip. 
And then we did Shimmy, and I just flew in, so I'm back. This weekend, I am in Canada in the Toronto area, February 23rd. I'll be in Kitchener, Ontario. February 24th, I'll be in Toronto, both at the Comedy Bar. Come out February 23rd and the 24th. Mark, I better see you there. Evan, I better see you there. Crazy Evan, I better see you there. All of you, all, all of the Fleece Army in the Toronto area, you better come out. And then that is it for me for a few weeks. I will be back mid-April. I'm doing Moon Tower Comedy Festival. We're doing The Riot. I'm doing uh, my one-man show at the Hotel Cafe in Los Angeles. I got a lot coming up from when I come back from the surgery. Hopefully I still have a voice. I'll be fine. But come to the show, guys. Uh, Get tickets at joshadammyers.com and uh, support the podcast, too. We've got great people working on it. Every Wednesday, we put the episodes on Patreon. You can see the full video. $5 or more a month gets you everything that you could ever dream of from the Patreon. Email JT. He'll tell you everything. I think you get hoodies. You get hoodies and you get video. Might get something else. I have no idea. Patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. And I have a YouTube, Josh Adam Myers 79. YouTube.com backslash Josh Adam Myers 79. All right, that's enough of all that. Josh Adam Myers.com for tickets. At Josh Adam Myers for social media. Somebody's mad right now that we're not talking about Neil Diamond. So let's get into it. Neil Diamond is, honest to God, one of my favorite artists in the history of music. I think we've heard me say this on the podcast, that if there was anybody that I regret not seeing live, it is Neil Diamond. It bums me out that I now have money and he stopped touring. My buddy Greg Chait and, uh, turned me on to him. His mom was a huge fan. We used to joke about him. Little did we know, one of our favorite artists, I think, of all time. And it was cool to find out that Brad Williams, the incredible comedian and good friend of mine, is a huge fan. How do you not know Brad Williams? Um, You've seen Brad on The Degenerates on Netflix. You've seen Fun Size on Showtime. And right now, Brad has an incredible special, Starfish, that is available on Veeps, which came out December 21st, which is the shortest day of the year, which I love. One of the funniest comics working today. A very, very good friend of mine. Stoked to have him on for his first time on the 500. Big Neil Diamond fan. Can't ask for anything better than that. Rate, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the 500. Listen free on all platforms or anywhere you get your pods. Leave a five-star rating and a review if you can. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media and follow the podcast at the 500 Podcast. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group run by Crazy Evan. And for all things 500, go to the website, the500podcast.com. All right, guys. Neil Diamond Collection by Neil Diamond at 224. January morn. Sitting here with Brad Williams in my apartment. Oh, I've been waiting for this podcast for so long. I mean, you can honest to God say that if you talk about Best Neil Diamond impersonators on the first shot. I'm in the top 10 at least. <laughs> I'm shocked that you're here right now for this, by the way, buddy. So we talked about like what albums that I could do. For years. What albums I could talk about. And then all of a sudden we saw the Neil Diamond album. I'm like, yes. 
and no one really knows I'm a Neil Diamond fan. We don't talk about it. We, we don't, don't talk the about Neil it. people. We we talk about it, but it's only to like each other. The yes. people we because I hate Sweet Caroline. I don't think that's. I think that's not. I think that's that's like if that's what you think Neil Diamond is, then you are. Yeah. You have no idea. Exactly, and it might be one of those songs that because you hear it so much, it's not good anymore. Or like it might be a good song, but then because it's just so played out every karaoke, every piano bar. Every Boston Red Sox game, yeah. every everything plays Sweet Caroline. So it's like I'm a little tired out of that one. And, but then you go through an album, especially this album, it, which is like a compilation. We'll get into like some of the track listings. There's stuff I want to argue about. But I mean, this is like this is. Yeah. But th there's a lot of shit that's been left off before we get into that. Uh, tell me about your new special. Tell me about where we can find it. Everything that's going on with you. Brand new comedy special. Uh, it's called Starfish. It is streaming on Veeps. If you're like, what's Veeps? I, I, don't, I, I don't subscribe to Veeps. Well, this is a music podcast, so all the music fans will love this. Because it started off as a concert app. So you can, so you can go there. You look up. There, there's crazy concerts by so many so many people that you can just watch. You just watch the concerts. Couldn't get a ticket. You, they didn't come to your city. All good. Watch the concert, but then they started getting into comedy, and they gave specials to myself, to David Cross, uh, Reggie Watts, uh, Catherine Ryan, and so now they're ushering All in comedy. Just horrible comics, man. horrible comics. Just, yep, me and David Cross. Wants them. Yep. So uh, and they gave specials to us, so now you can go watch it uh, on on Veeps. So you don't have to subscribe. They do have a pass if you want to, but you can just watch it. And there's even a chat that's going on, so you can see what people said about the special. Uh, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's a bad thing. I don't know. Yet to be seen. We both of your both of your other specials were both on Showtime, right? Yeah, they, they were on Showtime. Two, were two of the biggest ones that have ever been on Showtime. Yeah, Fun Size and Daddy Issues. Which so two things about this one. One, why did you choose Veeps? Was it just the the pitch and like the the idea? It's like easier access. They were so just like it's whatever you want. You just hand us the special. We put it up. You decide how you promote it. You decide how you advertise it. You decide the clips. You decide how it's presented. Like just everything. Just you decide it. You're the artist. You know what you know what's look what looks best for you. So I got to literally make the special that I wanted to make and no other. I got to shoot it here in New York at uh, you shoot uh, Sony Hall. Great venue. Great venue. Great. I did a I did a <laughs> I did a jam there. And they, yeah. they had a deal with my, I guess they made this deal. It was paying me a lot of money. I thought it was going to get canceled because it was on a Tuesday. Sales were terrible. And a week before, my agent's like, dude, well, they have a deal with us. They have to pay you. So we did a jam in that room for your special. Completely sold out probably. Yeah, two shows. What, tw tw like, so like 1,200 people a show or whatever. We had 50 people for the jam, yeah. and, they, and they still paid me. <laughs> and you still crowd surfed. <laughs> I did, well, that's kind of hard with 50. <laughs> they were spread out, too. But great venue, man. Fucking great venue. It, it was. And uh, so I'm really proud of the special. I'm proud of how it looks. So you can go. You can go, you, you, you watch it. And uh, then you can go see me on tour. I'm doing... Whew, I'm doing a lot. Uh, over 70 cities in the next year. Uh, uh, we haven't even announced the rest of the tour. Like I've got New Year's Eve 2024 booked. Like it's that far out. Wow. I'm going to different countries. So uh, yeah, go to bradwilliamscomedy.com, see all the tour dates. And uh, I'm coming back to New York. I'm doing Town Hall here in New York. Nice. And uh, yeah, it, it's an exciting tour. And uh, and I'm doing theaters for the first time. That's what I was going to say is that you've kind of graduated from doing, you like that of obviously more with your child and your wife. And it's like you get to do a one-off instead of doing five shows over right. three days. Yeah, now I'm in Spokane for one day instead of, you know, four days and or five with a flight. But you could stay longer in Spokane if you want to. 
I would. You know what I mean? It's a fun it's, city. It's a great, great town. All the amenities. Yeah. But at the same time, like like you said, I got the family, and I and I love being home for them. And uh, obviously, the compensation is a little better with theaters, so uh, that part's good too. So life is good. And now, I, and now I get to talk nerd music with you, and I love this. I, I I'm so excited. Like I've been doing a bunch of podcasts to promote the special. Good, but this is a different one. This yeah. is comics. You know what, man? And and you mentioned David Cross. Yeah. And we've clipped this out and put it up. David did. Um, God, who did he do? The, the, the replacements. And I had met him through Sean Patton and we're, we're doing it on Zoom. So I knew him ahead of time and we're doing the podcast. And much like I'll do with you, I'm going to ask you questions about this album, but I'm going to ask him about your life, things that happen to Neil, if they happen to you. And I do that to, to fucking David and we're already like an hour into the podcast and he stops and he's like, he's like, can I just say something? And I'm like, oh no. Like I asked him like a pretty heavy question and he goes, I had no idea about this. He's like, this is really cool. And I'm just like, oh, thank God. Because I was awesome. worried he was going to be like, yeah, dude, why are you asking me about <laughs> my, my wife's, you know, stillbirth when we're <laughs> talking about the replacements? Yeah. And, and but it, but it, this is the thing is like, I think when you're a comedian or you're a, a performer and especially like, you know, are you garbage? You're talking about like your past. You're talking about your family. But ultimately, it's like a lot of other podcasts. You're, you're still talking about like you know, what's going on and comedy. Like, fuck that, dude. We're talking about the god yeah, today, dude. Yeah, Neil Diamond. And he, the thing about Neil is that I don't think he gets mentioned with some of the greatest, like, singer-songwriters. But when At you... All. Even if you're not a Neil Diamond fan, you listen to his album, you go, oh, I know that song. Oh, I know that song, too. Oh, wait. Neil Diamond did that song? Like, it's like, he's got hits after hits. It, it, it's, it's, it's madness. I think, the, I think the reason, and which we'll probably get into, is that... Neil, it's musically, he is this incredible artist, but there's a there's a thick glaze of cheese that is yeah. that goes with him. Sure. Cause he's a Jewish guy, you know, but you know, he's like he's like a Jewish so he's a Semitic, sexy, Tom <laughs> Jonesy, you know, chest hair out, yep. open shirt, rhinestones, rhinestones on. A lot of rhinestones. Wings, kind of, kind of wings on the rhinestone jackets. Wings, shakes his hips, Elvis, a la Elvis. You know, the songs are, listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that they're bad. They're not bad at all. But dude, Love on the Rocks, Forever in Blue Jeans, you know, Cracklin' Rosie. I mean, these are, these are staples in our lives. But to other people, they hear that and they're like, this is fucking cheesy dentist music. Yeah. What's funny is one of my favorite Neil songs is one of those cheesy songs that, that doesn't even appear on this album. What is it? Uh, uh, Coming to America. Oh, dude, we've done it at the goddamn comedy gym. Uh, we did a jam in Brooklyn and we opened with that. That was on the night of the, the you know, the, at the middle of Trump's presidency. Yeah. So like where they're doing like the Congress and the Senate right, shit. Right, yeah, right. whatever you call it, the midterms. Um, but yeah, it's like, dude, coming to America, it should be played every 4th of July. It should it be should played. Be. <laughs> it should be played all the time. Hey, I mean, man, you might make fun of those songs like proud to be an American and you can make fun of it. Totally fine. But if it's 4th of July, Fireworks are going off. You're eating a hot dog. You're having a beer if you drink beer. You want to hear that song. It just fits the mood. And I, I remember my mom had a Neil Diamond uh, cassette tape that she, that's how I got into it. But uh, uh, she would play in our in our Ford Aerostar van. And uh, we'd be driving late at night on whatever 
family vacation, whatever, me, my dad, my sister, my mom, and we'd be playing Coming to America, and when it's night and you're on a highway, damn, that song feels right. Oh, when he gets angry, when he's like, you know, home to a new and exciting place. Yeah. Eat our bread and we'll say our grace. Freedom's (laughs) light burning warm. In the eye of the storm. Yeah. Like, that's as angry as Neil gets, dude. That's as angry as Neil gets. He is just vanilla-y. Like, he's, he's in my opinion, for me, he's, he's like matzo ball soup. It's just music that, for some reason... <laughs> Makes me feel very, very comfortable. Yeah, and, warm. Um, so it was your mom yeah. that that got you. So where, so you grew up in Orange County, right? Yeah, Orange County, California. You know, good life, good, good, good childhood. Dad worked, mom stayed home. Uh, brother, sister, uh, not dwarves. I'm the only dwarf of the family, so I'm good. The, yeah, I like that. Yeah. I, I would hate if there was a whole family of dwarves. <laughs> I want you to be the spe- you know you're special, dude. Yeah. So yeah, and music was a big part. You know, uh, my mom had a lot had a lot of CDs. And it was just uh, listening to Billy Joel and Michael Jackson and Elton John. Those are favorites. But then, but then it was something about that Neil Diamond. I think it was like the scratchiness of his voice. I don't know what it is. And I'm so glad that they made that movie Saving Silverman. For those who don't know the movie, uh, Jason yeah. Biggs from American Pie, Jack Black, and Steve Zahn are all in a, a, a Neil Diamond tribute yeah. band, yeah. cover band. They Tri- dr- it's tribute. No, yeah. it's tribute. Yeah, covers just like playing the hits. Tribute. They're like they're dressed as him. Yeah. The hair swoop. Yeah, the whole There's thing. There's a lot of that coming. <laughs> it's all it's all that happening. And like and then Neil makes a cameo in the movie. And when he did that, you're like, oh, he gets it. Like he gets what he is. He knows. I think I think he knows uh, without a shadow of a doubt that he is. You know, like I, I don't I hate saying cheesy, but it's like the only word that I can describe what what I feel. It's like I, I think, listen, man, Ace of Base, I saw the sign is still a song that I put on. I fucking love it. There's something about cheese music that is that, you know, is is still great. And there's a reason why it was a hit there. There's a reason why. And also he's a great performer. Uh, whenever you would see a live show or if you would see a video of a, of a concert, he's a dynamic performer. He engages his audience. He, he's that strange kind of like, I don't think he's attractive, but he's talking like he's attractive. I guess he's attractive. Like, it, like even his, like his 60s, he's doing like that Tom Jones thing where, he, where, he, where, where he's just laying the sexy on you. Then you're in. So my, the reason I got into him, because this is not a household thing uh, in the Myers family. My dad, very jazz. You know, the the four freshmen loved the vocal groups of the 40s and the 50s, all that shit. And then my mom, hippie-esque, uh, to a point, Mamas and the Papas, Beatles, not really, I don't, you know, Billy Joel. Neil came from my best friend, Greg Chait. His mom loved Neil. And Greg was a couple years older, so he's always been like my big brother. He's been like the guy that, you know, if he got into it, I got into it. He loved hockey. I got into hockey. You know, he got into Pink Floyd and the Beatles. I got into Pink Floyd and the Beatles. But we would hang out at his mom's house where he lived. His parents had gotten divorced and his mom loved Neil Diamond and she had everything. Probably had this when it came (laughs) out in 99, but had everything. And it became, like I said, at first it was a joke that we liked him. It wasn't like, I was like, dude, I actually dig this shit. It was like September more. Like that shit. And, and it was, uh, there was a song. um, I think it's on here actually. Let me see if I can pull it up. 
Uh, it is, uh, yeah, Brother Loves Traveling Salvation Show. That song, uh, is it Gone Too Soon? Is that on here? I believe so. Uh, it is. Wait, hold on. Because this is like, I'm, I've, I've just been listening to Neil Diamond. I haven't been focusing on this record per se. I don't think it is, actually. Uh, so Sweet Caroline, Cracklin' Rosie, Song Blue Blues, Play Me, Brooklyn Road, Shiloh. Shiloh is fucking... Shiloh's a good one. That's, that's one of my favorite Neil Diamond songs. So there's a record um, that I recommend everybody listen to. I don't know if you've heard it. It's called Hot August Nights. Have you ever heard that? So in the 70s, he did a concert at the Greek Theater okay. in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, great and venue. I mean, just murdered it. And this is at the height of him being sexy. He's got the longer hair. He's not, he's probably still in his 30s, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe early 40s at the most. He did an anniversary of that again uh, when I was living there and I missed it. He's one of the performers, man, that I would pay thousands of dollars. Yeah to go see live yeah uh, yeah and it's just one of the things where I, I was going through a bunch of neil stuff yesterday to get ready for this podcast and i'm gonna make a comparison and and so, and some people will say it's blasphemy but i go back and i watch eddie murphy specials and i go holy shit he wrote that when he was 21 he wrote that joke when he was 19 i looked at the age that neil was when he wrote some of these songs at like age 27 you're like how did you know about this? How did you know about this part of life at age 27 or what, at like thir at 32? And he had this kind of old man insight uh, that just kind of worked. He's an old worked. soul, for yeah. sure. So I don't know what we all know about Neil, but I've got a little, let's give, let's give you a little bit of his youth because I think there's some shit that might describe why he has that. Born in 41 in Brooklyn uh, to a Jewish family, grew up in several homes in Brooklyn, also spent about four years in Cheyenne, Wyoming, where his father was stationed in the army. In high school years were spent in Brooklyn where he was part of the chorus club and learned how to fence. There you go. Fucking who random fences? Ass, that's a random who ass. fences? Can you imagine if someone tries to mug Neil Diamond one night and he just pulls out a fencing sword and you're just like, what the shit? Ooh, gotcha. And then point. He, yeah, and, point. Ah. So kind of like those, those Bill Murray stories. Neil Diamond could take out a fencing blade. I don't know what it's called. Uh, and then he could stab somebody and just look at that person and be like, try to tell somebody this happened. Yeah, right. No, Neil Diamond pulled out a fencing sword and stabbed me. Okay, druggie. Like, like, that, like, no, like no one's going to believe that. Oh, I love that he fences. All right. 16th birthday, receives his first guitar. 16, still in high school. Spent a number of weeks at a camp for Jewish children in upstate New York. That's, that's something that Jews always do. We always go to a Jew camp. I didn't, but all my other Jewish friends did. I went to a fucking, I went to a, like a very... Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not Jewish, but I have plenty of Jewish friends, and they've all told me stories about. Yeah, that's where you got laid for the first time. Jew camp. First time was Myrtle Beach, uh, but I did well get done. laid. Uh, I think by the, I mean not. I mean probably by that point it was in the 20s when I went to Israel. Uh, oh wow! It was all just Jewish chicks on that birthright, birthright trip. Yeah, Dude, that's that's the biggest fucking. That is literally just young people going to Israel, getting drunk, having sex, and then going back home, all not paying a dollar. Uh, that's, that's that's Jews, baby. That's why they hate. That's why we're the most hated. Um, so he spends he spends a few weeks at the Jewish camp uh, when folk singer. Pete Seeger performed a small concert. Seeing the widely recognized singer perform and watching other children singing songs for Seeger that they wrote themselves had an immediate effect on Diamond, who then became aware of the possibility of writing his own songs. And the next thing, he gets a guitar, goes back to Brooklyn, starts taking lessons, and almost immediately 
began to write songs. So this is at 16. Yeah. He's already writing songs. He added this to his attraction. Songwriting was his first real interest he had growing up, which also helped him release his youthful frustrations. What was an eye-opening moment in your life that made you pursue your current career path? Oh, there, uh, uh, there's a few. Uh, watching Eddie Murphy Raw for the first time. Which you mentioned, yeah. That was definitely just like, holy shit. And then uh, the most, the most eye-opening moment uh, was when I was in the audience of a stand-up comedy show. It was a, I was Bray Improv. I was 19 years old. I was there with my dad. It was a Father's Day gift that I gave him. And uh, we're, we're watching the comedian on stage, and the comedian on stage starts making midget jokes. The audience is laughing, except for the audience around me. The, the audience around me is not laughing at all. They're just like, her, 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 her. and uh, the comedian notices and he's like, why aren't you guys laughing? He goes, what is one of them here? And I just raised my creepy little hand in the air and just like, what's up? And uh, he called me up on stage and he started asking me questions and I answered them and the answers got laughs. Sure. And I wasn't trying to be funny. I was just like, he asked me like, hey, well, what do you do for a living? And I go, I work at Disneyland because I did. I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm an Orange County kid. And then everyone- Wait, what go, were you doing at Disneyland? See, that's when everyone started laughing. And then I and then I turned to them and went, fuck you, I'm not one of the seven. Good, okay, all right. Which, you know, that's two on the nose. Yeah, anyway. and then yeah. and then they laughed again. And then, like, I'm uh, R2-D2 in, yeah. <laughs> in the fucking Star Wars exhibit. Kenny Baker, <laughs> I'm surviving your legacy. Uh, so my act, and then I told them my actual job at Disneyland, which was, I was a bodyguard for the characters. So I walk around with the, you know, making Minnie Donald and, you know, help them out, organize lines, take photos. And when a five-year-old steps on the line, throw, throw a forearm shiver. So, sure. uh, yeah, there's something that you can do. Yes. I can't do that. You yes. Can. Dwarf. Yeah. Dwarf can hit your kid. You're like, well, oh, that's that, 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 that. That's just magical. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> get deserved. It. It's yeah. magical. Yeah. You know, I, I slap a kid, a bunch of fairy dust flies up. So it's fine. So uh, that was my job. And I said all those things and the and the audience laughed. I'm just like, all right, this I have to do this. So started. From there, started doing open mics. Like, started looking up open mic. There was a website. I, I don't know if chuckle, you... Chuckle yes, Monkey? ChuckleMonkey.com. ChuckleMonkey. That was where I went to the first one. There is... So, comics of a certain age, yours, yours and my age, will all have their ChuckleMonkey.com story. That that website listed every open mic, literally all over the country. How, how great is that, though? Because I wanted to start when I was 18 and I, the only way I could find it was I, I, I went to the Tower Records and I found a city paper and it didn't really have anything in there. Mm -hmm. But when I was like, I got to that place where I was like, no, I have to do it in my, in my mid twenties. Yeah. I, I, I go, I don't even, even Google was around back yeah. then. 2006. Yeah. My, may may have been Yahoo or Ask Jeeves. Google's killing it still. Yeah, yeah. Ask Jeeves. Ask Jeeves was like at the tail end of its fucking existence. May have been Prodigy. We're all dating Try ourselves search now. Search engine. Yeah. Come on and search your engine. <laughs> Did anybody get that joke? Mm -hmm. You got it. I got you it. You got it. Okay, cool. But it, yeah, it was one of those things, and it just listed all the open mics. All of them. And why does I don't know? I'm not, I'm out of the open mic scene, but does that? exist today can you go to a page that just has every open mic like it, it's kind of crazy you you would click on your state like california you would then click on the region and then it would have all the open mics it's madness man it was so 
great and such a great resource and there would be tips on like hey this is how you go on stage this is how you reset the stage this is what you should be aware of here are bookers that are not going to pay you here are the bookers that are going to try wow, to pay you yeah. in cocaine like there there was all this re all all these resources and you could just start doing open mics and i would do open mics all around the city so yeah that moment in in that comedy club where i got those first laughs that was the aha moment i'm on chucklemonkey.com right now chuckle monkey and it somehow took me to the comedy chateau in la in la ha! it took me it, it says comedy chateau and then it's like a weird dashboard performer show insights upcoming shows and then it's like I just shit. I don't even really understand Autobot Optimus and some weird Russian or not Russian, but I wonder if they bought it then and then just linked it to their site because they know a bunch of old comics will go, will go, will go there for nostalgia purposes. So, <laughs> so Diamond used his newly developed skill to start writing poetry by writing poems for girl. Ah, oh, see, this is what I'm talking about, there dude. There you go. This is that Jewish good-looking dude we are are you know if you at least if you have more if you have a little bit of christianity in your blood like i do mm -hmm. ah man you're fucking you're you just if you can't if you're jewish but don't look jewish which <laughs> neil doesn't really look jewish he could be italian it could be persian yeah all right but he's writing poems for girls he's attracted to in school good god what was like the lamest shit you did to get girls oh Jesus. Mixtapes? You do mixtapes? How I do much mixtapes. time do you have? Uh, Give me top. I would... Uh, <laughs> all right. So here, here's here's the lamest thing I ever did. I was going to write kind of like a love note. Yeah. So, and this was like maybe like seventh grade. And like I didn't use a piece of paper, which would have been a really, really smart to just get a blank piece of paper and write a note to a girl, to Aaron. I won't say her last name in oh. case she's listening or if someone looks her up. But... um. Uh, uh, I instead used a piece of stationery that has my damn name on it. And I was like, well, I'll use a marker and like cross, cross it, it off. But then if you turn the thing over, you can clearly see the indentation. So I was like, I left it in her desk oh, and it was like going to be all cute. And she's like, Hey Brad, I got your note. I'm like, uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then she's like, you mean this? And it's like, it's my handwriting. It's on stage. It says Brad Williams. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that's my note. I kind of like, oh, just Aww. such rejection. Oh my God. I was big on, I never wrote poetry, but I was big on mixtapes, 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 mixtapes. And I, I really, you know, I loved hard. And so I would put a lot of thought into the mixtapes. And I remember one, the one I always never forget is I did, cause it's always like, you know, you start it off with a banger, then you bring it down and then you build it back up. There's and an art to it. It's an art to it. That's the way I booked the jam. It's like put the uh, something hard up front, so the 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 not duet the uh, the the ballad, and then you build from there. Yeah. And I remember I, I came out with something hardcore. This is like God. I'm like fucking. You know, God. Whenever uh, Guns and Roses were at their height, and then the second song I put on there was One in a Million. I just remember this. Noel Lemire. I don't ah. remember One in a Million. It's like he says like the N word in it. He's like immigrants and, and like an F word. So like Jesus Christ. And I'm like, hey, go. That was about like I don't think I ever did anything like like poetry, and I'm glad you didn't either. But uh, you know, yeah, I, I yeah I wrote notes that like yeah they were bad. It's just like, but it, it it's it's so interesting to hear that like 
yeah, I'm a comedian now, and back then I was writing a note. I was writing something. Sure. You're so into music, and people that are into music can make a mixtape that literally was like, no, 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 this is why I chose this song. It's not just a good beat. It's this lyric that makes me think about you. It's this thing that you you do in your life that reminds me of this song. So, like, I'm sure that your playlists were, like, artfully crafted. Oh, they were. They were. And I And I like good music to the point, so I think, like, you know... I think anytime somebody does something like that, makes a mixtape, you know, puts thought into making something for you. My, my buddy Morty, he, he he put like these hundred song playlists together for me. And it was like, dude, this is awesome. It's all good shit. And dude, for what I'm reading right here, these poems got him pussy. He says ah. the, girls, the girls loved it. His male classmates started asking him to write poems for them. Ghostwriting. Which he would wow. then which they would sing and use the for equal success. Diamond then goes to NYU. He's pre-med major with a fencing scholarship where he'd be part of the 1960 NCAA men's championship team. Bored in class, so he keeps writing poems, keeps writing lyrics. He's cutting classes, takes the train to Tin Pan Alley, which is right down the street from here, and where he tried to get some of his songs heard by local publishers. Um, God, I want, there's so many good questions in this. I want to ask you, what, and I, and I, but I love you so much, I just want to ask him, so what was something that, what was a risk that you had to take uh, to get to the next level? Uh, dropping out of college. That was a big thing? I had a year left at, at USC. At USC? Yeah. The USC. The USC. I had a year left, wow. and uh, parents paid for college and, and then so as you could tell or you might guess when I came to them and said hey guys I got a year left I'm gonna drop out to do comedy they're like no absolutely why not? not why not just finish it you're there so you're pubic hair away I am and the thing the, tr the truth is I was doing comedy starting in my sophomore year and uh, my grades were trash because I was going out and doing open mics and driving around and then I didn't have time to study I didn't and I was majoring communications I wasn't going to be a doctor we didn't lose a cancer cure by me sure. becoming a comic so going to my parents and saying that I was going to drop out of college because for me I found what I wanted to do I told them I was going to go back I, I told my parents I was like yeah give me like a year doing this and I'll probably go back I knew I wasn't going back I had found what I wanted to do that's why you go to college to figure out what you want to do with your life and that's what I wanted to do I mean, because I met you, I think you were already pretty established by the time I really met you. Mm -hmm. But like you were, you always had a set. Yeah. And so you have that. I mean, and not to say like you have a thing, but it's like you have a thing and like you have a voice immediately because you're so unique from other people that even if you just mentioned that. Done. Uh, I, that's one thing where dwarfism was an advantage. I could walk on stage and the whole audience immediately goes. Oh well, this is interesting. Yeah, and they want to they want to hear more, and uh, so that definitely helped. That definitely helped to start off. But uh, yeah, so that was the biggest risk. And there was even like my parents saying, "You're out of the will," and I'm like, "Okay, I was fine. I was fine with that." And uh, and then and then I think they eventually put me back in. I don't know for sure. Uh, but I feel like you've done pretty good. Dude. I'm all right. You're I'm, doing pretty fucking yeah, good. Yeah, I'm not gonna need well, it. Well, guess what? You have a very similar lifestyle to Neil Diamond because he dropped out ten units short of graduation. Whoa. Takes a sixteen week job writing songs for fifty dollars a week, equivalent to five hundred dollars per week today. Drops out of college, accepts it. Diamond was not rehired after the first stint. Uh, they liked some of his songs, but he never. They didn't really accept. They really didn't accept him as a songwriter. 
but it was something that absorbed him. He he then tries to get to Columbia Records. It's failed. He has a very nomadic lifestyle as a songwriter, writing some songs, selling some stuff, not really getting anything out there. He was making, he was able to sell a song for about one, a song a week for 35 cents a day on food. So he's basically selling, he's, he's basically living off of $3.25. All right, so he starts to be writing some interesting songs. Among them were Cherry Cherry and Solitary Man. That was the first record that Diamond recorded under his own name, which then made the charts. Uh, it remains one of his personal favorites, and it was about the early years of songwriting. And uh, from that, it's, it's, he, his first success came and really in November 1965, was Sunday and Me, a top 20 hit for Jay and Americans. Then greater success came with I'm a Believer, A Little Bit Me, A Little Bit You, uh, all performed by the Monkees. But the other versions were released before his own. He did record his own. Uh, the unintended consequence was that Diamond began to gain fame as a songwriter. I'm a Believer became a gold record within two days of its release. I mean, that's a fucking... Like, I'm a believer. It's like, dude, when they dropped that on the Shrek soundtrack, yeah. like, that was huge. Yeah. With Smash Mouth. Yes. And that's when you stop and look back and go, oh, yeah, this guy was good. So here's here's where I want to get into. This is the chunk, because I feel like I'm, I'm sort of spending too much time on his little history. Yeah. He In 66, he signs a deal with Burt's Burns Bang Records, a subsidiary of Atlantic. First release on the label was Solitary Man, which was his first true hit as a solo artist, followed by his version of Cherry Cherry and Kentucky Woman. He starts opening up for the Hermits, Herbits, and the Who. Can you imagine wow. Neil Diamond opening up for the fucking Who? I mean, that's kind of look at him and go, maybe that's where the showmanship came in. Because if you're going on before the Who, they're blowing up their drum kits. Yeah. Like, they're 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 playing louder than anybody. Yeah. They're blowing up amps. Like, yeah, that makes sense that you'd be like, all right, well, I got to stand out. So here's where it gets cool. After a dispute with a record label due to Diamond writing more introspective stuff, the label wanting more poppy stuff, he went to a new label, moved to LA in 69, and that's where he starts writing Sweet Caroline in 69, Holly Holy 69, Cracklin' Rosie in 70, Song Such Blue, and the last two reaching number one on the Hot 100. Sweet Caroline is his first major hit, and uh, from that point on, it just kind of takes off from there. I mean, there's like, yeah, because at this point, it's now just like, oh shit, I guess I do have to mention this. Uh, he, this is a good question. He almost died. I don't know if you know this. In 1979, collapsed on stage in San Francisco, taken to the hospital where he endured a 12-hour operation to remove what turned out to be a tumor on his spine. He said that he had been losing feeling in his right leg for a number of years, but ignored it. He was convinced he was going to die and wrote farewell letters to his friends. He loves writing. You know, Loves writing letters. <laughs> I mean, he writes poems. He writes goodbye letters to his friends. He really does. And so, like, obviously, there's bands like U2, bands like the Foo Fighters, that have all the money in the world, could, could retire for generations to come and be fine. Rolling Stones. And they still tour. Why do they tour? Do they, need, do they need the money? No. They fucking love it. And then you have bands like Green Day, and you find out that Billy Joe has a side band that he also tours with. And you're just like, oh, you just love this shit. You love it the same way that we'll do shows. Like I've done uh, one time at the DC Improv, and I know you know about this open mic. I did uh, uh, two shows uh, at the DC Improv, then went around the corner and did an open mic night to close the night in front in front of like 15, 20 people. So it's like, because I really just love performing. And, and so it's nice to see that, oh no, Neil just loves writing. 
he loves it. There's an art to it that he definitely gets. There's a there's something that he he likes to create, and that's that's how, that's how he does it. So um, I guess I gotta peep this in here. He, there's a really good record I want everybody to check out before we start talking about this record. It might be my favorite release by him. Um, it's called Twelve Songs, and he did it with Rick Rubin. And, and you know what it is? It's like uh, Johnny Cash, uh, American, whatever, when he did the acoustic guitar, all raw songs. But they're all covers, yeah. but, but raw, Rick Rubin produced. 12 songs, if I'm not mistaken, are all diamonds, very heavy, introspective songs. And I mean, they are, it's just him and the guitar, maybe a little bit of accoutrements, but not much. It's one of the best records I've, I've ever heard. Stripped down, just down to the bare bone, just to the basics. Rick Rubin does that better than any producer where he goes, hey, what makes you great? Cool. Let's just do that. Let's not add other shit. Let's not add like bells and whistles and this, this new sound effect or this backing thing. It's just like, no, what makes you great? Cool, we're doing that. If you could work with anybody, who would it be? Who would you want to work with? It could be a script, a directing, a special, working on a movie, whatever. Uh, Conan O'Brien. Really? Yeah, I love Conan. Con- like, I-, I think we might be maybe the one generation after us, but like sort of the last generation of like having a favorite talk show host or a yeah. talk show that really spoke to you. Uh, like, I don't know too many people that are like, nah, man, Colbert every night. Like, I mean, uh, I'm sure it's fine. And Fallon, like you can't, I get it. I get Fallon and he's, he's created some cool things and had artists do shit, but it's like, like Conan felt like he was there for us. He was really, Letterman was the generation above us, I think. Yep. And we were like the Conan people. Oh, dude, I, I, that's my biggest regret in comedy is not having done. Not having a Conan set. I, I wanted that so bad because I said it. I ran into him in a bathroom down the street from here in Soho oh, when wow. I was 18 years old. And I, he went to the bathroom. And I was like, I'm going to say something. And I go in and he finished peeing. I'm like, Mr. O'Brien. And dude, I was like, I might look like 95 now. But when I was 18, <laughs> I looked really young. I was probably like 15 looking. I go, Mr. O'Brien, he turns around. And I go, hi, I'm a huge fan. I'm, I want to be a comic. And I just, hopefully one day I get to be on your show. I'm going to be on your show. And he's like, he's like, and you will. And I was like, all right. And then I, you know, then I walk away and that was it. Yeah. That, that, but that, he, he was the guy that spoke to me. And then, yeah, that's the guy where if I could just work with absolutely anybody. And every time I listen to his podcast, I'm always like, he just sounds like a good hang. Like he sounds like he's always doing bits. And if you jump into something he'll jump into whether he yes. you know and he'll he just add it. to he it gets comedy in some of yeah. the best episodes of the simpsons were ones that he has his hands in mm-hmm. uh, the fucking the monorail monorail classic um, so yes and i, I think you're 100 percent right with rick rubin he is everybody that he's worked with some of the best albums they've done yeah um Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, 
everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You know, and it could just be he's, he, he, I like how he says he doesn't know how to work any of the, of the mechanical stuff, but he just knows the feel and sound. What is she chewing? Oh, balls? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what's sad. Talking about the dog, not a, not a woman in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what it's, is it's, it's like a dog. <laughs> what is she chewing on? Balls? <laughs> like, like a dog's eating balls, right? Yeah. Oh, like a dog. Um, this is where all of this gets sad, is that he has Parkinson's disease now, Neil Diamond. And it, it bums me out more than anything because angelo bowers and i used to talk about what we would do when we have money and it wasn't like buy big homes do this it was like let's go to concerts let's go see pearl jam let's do this yeah neil was someone i always wanted to see and as i've gotten older it's he's moved up the list yeah to the point where i would i would pay upwards of 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 five thousand dollars to to be in the room to watch him perform. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is it's not going to be, you know, what it's not going to be like the of yesteryear. And the worst part was he did a 40th anniversary of hot August nights at the Greek theater. And oh. I, I found out about it. I just, it was like, I, it's not, if it was me now, I would know a hundred percent. Right. And you would go, yeah, there, there's sometimes you just miss out on those types of artists. For me, it was Tom Petty. I, I, I always wanted to see Tom Petty and, I finally got to the point where I had a little bit of money. So I was like, oh, now I can get Tom Petty tickets. And literally, I think it was like that year he passed away or something. So there are those artists like that. And Neil was definitely on that list for me just because I remember watching a New Year's Eve special. And it was like, and now it like not just Neil Diamond, but he was on it. They're like, and now we go to Neil Diamond in Denver to see him ring in the new year. And he was probably in his 60s and he was killing it. And I was like, oh, it's so good. And he just big smiles on his faces, just still hitting the words, you know, and it's just, oh, it's so great. He's 82 right now. Probably hasn't performed in, god damn, it's, it's been a minute. It has really, really been a minute. And then he went viral during the pandemic. For what? Uh, because uh, when everyone was... Uh, when everyone was locked indoors in 2020, he released a video of him singing Sweet Caroline, but he changed the lyrics. And it was like, hands, washing hands, <laughs> don't touch me, I won't touch you. And I was oh, like, I'm great. like, fucking hell. And this is when we all knew that he had Parkinson's. So we knew it was a struggle for him to put this out, but he did. And uh, it was just, it was so cool. I remember three celebrity viral moments during the pandemic. One was when all the celebrities did Imagine and we all fucking made fun of him for it. But the two that were great was Neil Diamond and then Arnold Schwarzenegger did a video from his house where he's feeding a donkey and and he's just like, hey, it's okay, just stay inside, you know, hang out with your families, your your pets, you know, like yo, this is my pet donkey, and yeah. he like give, he like gives him a he like gives him a carrot. And he just looks so happy. And you're like, yeah, I'll stay inside and be happy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I like Chris Tucker's. I think Chris Tucker's the best one where he goes, oh, I didn't like, see What's that one. What's wrong with all y'all? You don't got to see anybody. You ain't got nowhere to be. You can stay inside. <laughs> this is awesome. And it was just like him being honest, which is like kind of like probably why his career is just, he did all that stuff, made all that money. But realistically, he's like, I just want to stay home. Yeah. Play with my money. Yeah. And I mean, that's not a bad life at a certain point. At a certain point, it's like, and listen, I'm not going to say Neil at 82 would be performing still. He might have retired anyway. 
you know, cause some people it's like, I don't, you know, it's like you get to a certain point. It's like, do you want to keep working into your eighties and your nineties singing and constitute? That's a hard, it's a long, I just, I just did. You've, you've toured. Yeah. And I know you've done traveling tours too, but when you're out on the road and maybe you do, you do weekend warrior shit like we do. But when you're doing like, a tour that I did this summer, which is 80 days. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. And for a 43-year-old to be in one of the bunks is one thing. Mm-hmm. But to be, I mean, he'd probably have like a bed bunk, like like Jelly had, like one of the yeah. whole fucking things. But still, it's like. It, it, it's still, it's not sleeping in your own bed. It's waking up. It's truck stops. It's, you know, it's road. It's road. You're not in your, you, 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 like, and obviously they're touring at a different level than the stuff that we do. But at the same time, you're, you're just not home. And uh, it, it's funny because I know I just got the uh, email blast that was like, hey, the Rolling Stones are coming back to SoFi. And at this point, I'm going. I'm going, dude. I got to see him, dude. Mick Jagger probably has, you know, God knows how many kids. God knows how many grandkids. He's 80 years old. And he's like, I still got to go back out there. They love it. They, they love it. They man. love it. They love it, and they're good. They're good at it. And it's like from what I'm hearing, it's not like he's losing a grip. Billy is. I've seen Billy Joel, you know, in the last few years since I've lived out here, and he's been at MSG. I've seen him about eleven or twelve times, which I know that's a lot, but I just fucking love him. And sure. I take mushrooms, and I go. The last few shows, I've been like, oh man, he doesn't give a shit anymore. He wants to. He wants. That's why he's ending it. And he doesn't have that. His voice still sounds good. You know, and Neil, there have been clips of him. He's got a play called A Beautiful Noise. It's in Broadway. It's kind of like his retrospective of Still all of his songs. Still likes to write. Still likes to write. What's his? It's all his songs. I don't yeah. know if he's doing the story. I think it's about his career, which the jazz singer, which is where your America came from, which if you've never seen the jazz singer, everybody, go see. This is what's so funny about this episode. I don't even need this shit right here in front of me. I know so much about this motherfucker, but that's the thing is what I was trying to say is that I don't know if he would be performing. It's a hard fucking life. I'm just bummed that I never got to. Yeah. And he's my biggest regret. And if you're Neil Diamond and you're 82, it's like, if he was touring, he could probably still sell out whatever venue that he wanted to. Easy. Beacon Theater, five nights, easy. But it's like, do you want to do that? Or do you want to be Neil Diamond and just go, can I just go to like a little 150 seater and just sit there with a sit there with with an acoustic Uh, guitar? Dude, I wish. Dude, I'm telling you, man. If I could have had the money I have now and go and have the wherewithal to go to the concerts that I go to now, I would have paid to sit in, to watch him do 12 songs, which isn't him playing his, it's not his hits, man. It just would have fucking, it's just like saying you see Johnny cash with the guitar. It's like, that's, those are things that you're like, God damn dude. Yeah. He's, he's my biggest regret. He's my biggest regret of who's, who's somebody that you like, you, you wish you would have seen live. So this is sort of a mixed bag and I got a taste of it. And that's probably why I'm so mad. I didn't go see him. I was in the audience of the Super Bowl where Prince did the halftime show and he did purple rain in the rain. Closest thing I've had to a religious experience was watching Prince do purple rain. I bet dude. in the rain and, I, and just the whole stadium just singing at the top of their lungs. Who gave a shit about the game? And uh, 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 I'm pretty sure Colts fans are like, yeah, we gave a shit. We won. But uh, <laughs> um, that that was great. And then he did that run of shows at the, the forum, forum. Yeah. And I never went. So that's that's my yeah, regret. But you, you got to see him. I did. And, you got, and, and honestly, the, the Super Bowl performance is 
I'm always going to say the top one is U2 after 9-11 because that's the emotion. It makes me cry every time he fucking, Where the Streets Have No Name is such a great song. He throws the fucking American flag out in the, in the center of his jacket. It killed me. Second, mm-hmm. the argument will always, people say Beyonce. Because she mm-hmm. did a great job. A great job. I, I will say, I will say Prince. Because Prince just fucking fucked around. Yeah. And was that good? I'm going to open with this, go that. I'm going to do a fucking Foo Fighters song. And then I'm going to end with Purple Rain. And I love that, that, that clip where they're like, they call him and they go, hey, just let you know it's raining. And he goes, and they said, what, is there anything you want us to do? Protect. And he goes, can you make it rain harder? I love that. He's the man. I love that so much. So the fact that I got to be there for that performance, see that performance. Uh, uh, yeah. But still, th- that I didn't see a full Prince concert is yeah i get it i get it dude I, me neither i saw him i've only seen him when he did the the george lopez show on tbs my cousin was a producer and we went there it was to announce that forum thing oh so, wow yeah so i was like very close to him but yeah. he did like four or five songs none of the hit hits no because at that that was that musicology that he was doing i think so but it was but whatever the whatever that yeah 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 i think you're right um, I could actually look it up, but but either way, I'm so glad I saw him. And then I went to his fucking house in Minnesota, which I recommend everybody should do. Paisley Park. And I'll show you, dude. I have a fucking umbrella I bought from Paisley Park that when you get it wet, it turns purple. Ha! 36 bucks. I never take it out because I, I'm going to lose it. Own the color. Um, um, dude, umbrellas, going to lose <laughs> nine times out of ten. All right, let's talk about some of these tracks because uh, I feel like there's we only got a little bit longer. But, I mean, man, there's, let's talk about the heavy hitters. Sure. Because um, this isn't. This is not his best shit. No, which is amazing that the album is still there. But it's just it runs the gamut of his skill set in terms of what he does. And I think it's some of his best written songs, whether it be the best musically, phonetically, whatever. But like, uh, so yeah, it, it's, I, I, I think it's just like the collection of work. It's where like, it's kind of, it's kind of like when Lord of the Rings, uh, won best picture was the King, the, the last one, was it the best picture that year? Probably not, but they were given awards for the whole catalog. Compilations, compilations on this podcast, we've we've gone over and over about if they're right or wrong. And I mean, you know, look, if this is the way that it gets Neil on here, yeah, great. Mm-hmm. Um, opening was Sweet Caroline. Opening. Let's just get that one out of the way. <laughs> Let's just, all right, you bought the album, hear the hit, okay, move on. Now we got a, now we got other stuff. What is a what is a bigger crowd pleaser sing along song? Like, what are the top? Man. Sing along songs. I mean, I got three that come to mind right off the bat. What do you got? Is this one, Sweet Caroline, mm-hmm. Journey Don't Stop Believing. Easy. Everyone Goes Nuts. Uh, and then Bon Jovi. Living on a Prayer. Yeah. That will always get people screaming. Sweet Child of Mine might be up there. It's a good sing along hit. Uh, trying to think of a top five. What's the like? Newer one? You want a newer one? Sure. Mr. Brightside. Yeah. I've been at bars where that will come on at two o'clock in the morning and the whole bar just starts screaming it. By the way, do not listen to that song when you have just gone through a breakup because the lyrics hit a little bit harder. <laughs> I've never even, I, I mean, what's so funny is like I do that with Steve Byrne all the time on the on the jam and that's like his song. Yeah. No, I just, if you, I just if, don't know words. Yeah, <laughs> if, if you listen to the lyrics, there, there's one lyric that if you're going through a breakup, this will wreck you. Um, it's, uh, he takes off her dress now, letting me go. Bah! Yeah. Fuck oh, yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. If you're, if you just got your heart broken, <laughs> oh my God. Letting me go, Brad, I'm talking <laughs> to you. What? 
yeah, Mr. Brightside is de- is definitely one of those ones. We are the champions. Maybe I'm trying to think of what we do on the jam. We've we've done Sweet Caroline to end the show before. We've only yeah. done it once because it's kind of like I don't want to call it hack, um, but it's not my favorite. It's not my favorite uh, Neil Diamond song. It, this is this is where I feel the cheese. Like, what are you doing? There's 90 million balls on the floor, and she wants one specifically. One, just fucking, just yeah, forget her. <laughs> um, and so he wrote this song. Lekka, up, up, up. Okay, we're not. <laughs> Fuck it. All right, come here. Oh, uh, and she just comes and puts her head right by, and you're like, ah, okay. dude, she can't do no. She can do no wrong, and she's a Holocaust denier, which is crazy. <laughs> Diamond claimed the song was written about his second wife, Marsha Murphy, whom he married in 69. They divorced in 95. He needed wow, a three syllable. 69 to 95. That's a longie, yeah. Wow, he needed a three syllable funny. name to fit the melody. However, uh, Sweet Marsha, Mar- yeah, Marsha, mm-hmm. uh, didn't work. The name Caroline is one he had written down and it fit the song perfectly. So that's why I used it. Uh, there was long-time speculation that the song was about Caroline Kennedy, the yeah. daughter of JFK. Diamond said that this Caroline gave him the idea for the name, but had nothing to do with the song's inspiration. However, hold on, here we go. Diamond performed the song via satellite at Caroline Kennedy's 50th birthday party and said the song was about her. Uh, he told the AP, I've never discussed it with anybody intentionally. I thought maybe I would tell it to Caroline when I met her, though she might be embarrassed, but she seemed to be struck by it and really, really happy. Uh, he added that he was just a young, broke songwriter in, his, in the 60s when he saw a cute photo of her in a magazine, and, and it was a picture of this beautiful girl and dressed in her nines and in her riding gear next to a pony, and he said that's how he wrote the song. Wow. Yep. A little creepy. Ready for this part? Caroline yep. was 11 years old when the song was released. Okay. Mm. When, when was it? When, how old was he when it was written? That dude. That's when you just lie. You just say it's <laughs> not. It's it's written for Marsha or whatever the second wife's name was. I'm trying to pop a cherry, cherry baby. Yeah, just do something <laughs> like like just lie or say that you wrote it when you were also really young and she was like a born, shut the know. fuck up. <laughs> Why? Two things happen when I podcast in person, dude. Two things happen without a doubt when I podcast in person. One, Lekka makes noise. Two, I get indigestion. <laughs> Every podcast I've ever done, I just... So um, funny. All right, so what do we got with this? This is... Uh, the song has nothing to do with Boston. The Red Sox, though, adopted it as their, like, their theme song. Diamond recorded this song during his very first recording session, which was in wow. Memphis. He had a standard three-hour session book, but only two songs written at the time. And uh, the night before, he quickly wrote Sweet Caroline in his motel room so he could have a third song. She says this was one of the fastest songs he ever wrote. Um, they say pressure produces diamonds. Have you ever had a moment like that in your career? Uh, oh, I mean, yeah. Uh, this was after the first special fun size. Like, it was successful. And Showtime very quickly came to me and said, all right, we're going to do another special. And I was like, I, I don't. you just did it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't have one. And they're like, OK, so we're going to give you this much money. I'm like, that's a good amount of money. And uh, <laughs> I guess uh, I can start writing. Yeah, I guess I better start <laughs> writing. And I, I think Fun Size was released in 2015. And then um, da- Daddy Issues, the next one, was shot in 2016 and then released early 2017. Wow. But like, so it was that fast. And I'm actually the most proud of that special. And if I'm not mistaken, 
Didn't you do a fucking Netflix half hour dirty set? Yeah. Was that before or after? That was after that. But oh, that was after that yeah, one. Yeah, so, yeah. so you did two and then did the Netflix. Thing. Yeah. Wow. It was, but like, still though, that's a huge turnaround, dude. Yeah. And so, but now I'm kind of like in that space where I turn around material very quickly. So if you see me uh, on the road now, if you've already seen the special Starfish, which is on Veeps, it's going to be different material because I I've just thrown that shit together as soon as you record a special the brain goes okay now the real work begins because i have to build another hour so people just don't just see the same jokes they just saw they want new stuff specifically after fun size leading into daddy issues that's probably the best example just because that special daddy issues turned out to be great and whenever i release clips of that even now they still do great numbers people comment and then go watch the full thing so yeah it's that's the one where it's yeah pressure makes diamonds for sure dude it's when you know it's hard to it's hard to stay successful and not successful hard to create gold when you're comfortable but yeah. man when you were like when you're broke or you got ah, shit going on you gotta it's survive like, it's the, the the best stuff dude so fuck so fuck yeah dude i remember when i was in high school i was taking a theater class i was a big theater nerd when i was a kid and uh one theater teacher said something that always lasted with me and he goes uh super uh, he goes desperate people get super creative super fast and that is accurate <laughs> you're just willing to try anything you yeah. know it's like you're you because it's like well i got nothing to lose i might as well fucking just throw everything up at the wall sure all right let's skim through some of these cracklin rosy is a bottle of wine uh, he got the song idea for the song from a folk story of an indigenous tribe in northern Canada who had more men than women. Uh, he told Rolling Stone magazine on Saturday nights when they go out, the guys all get their girl. The guys without girls get a bottle of Cracklin' Rosie, and that's their girl for the weekend. Ha. Um, this became his first number one hit. I love hearing stuff like that, like just the random, because you're like, like crackling rosy maybe it was a neighbor that's like no it's an indigenous thing and it's this ancient story and it's this blah, 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 where you're like oh my god how do you even find that i i love crackling rosy i say crackling rosy uh you know forever in blue jeans man those are those are some of my favorites and i the crackling rosy's got that like thump to it like bang, bang, ding, bang, ding. um all right let's do the other thing i like about neil's lyrics is that you can understand him he like he's not like some songwriters like obviously Bob Dylan's great. I can't understand Bob Dylan. I don't know and you knew anything when he sing and and you're just like I don't know what you just said. Maybe you just wrote a very brilliant lyric. I can't understand it. But Neil Diamond he enunciates every word I hear me out because I am Neil and you are you on the boats and <laughs> on the plane. Let her shut the fuck up. Yeah, We're knows. trying to podcast. Why are you whining? <laughs> this is still gonna be in the episode. <laughs> Shiloh. Oh, we okay. mentioned it earlier. This is a song about a child who makes up an imaginary friend. Um, Diamond later said that it was at least partially addressing his younger self and called the song a feast for psychological interpretation. I love that. I love that yeah. description. Like, yeah. hey, it's like the it's like a Rorschach song. You hear with it what you want. My producers wrote because this is a song about introspective and and about the consequences of of uh, of, of of youth and using your imagination and, and being put down and all this other stuff. And you're like, he wrote, "Is Neil Diamond the original emo singer?" And ha! I'm like, "No fucking way, dude. No mm. way." But they but decades later, Rolling Stone would compare the song's posture to the emo style. So really, well, I mean, maybe it was. It's got to start somewhere. Brother Love's Traveling Salvation Show. This is this this actually got um, 
a lot of shine in the new Quentin Tarantino movie. Yes. Uh, because they listen to that while he's riding. And Quentin's known for the music that he puts in. He's known for finding those songs that from those artists where like you're not quite sure. You're like, oh, yeah, that's a good tune. Like those unknown gems. And uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Diamond performed and explained, because I want to ask you this question. Diamond performed and explained this track on the Johnny Cash show. The song, he says, the song was written about a revival meeting when I was in Jackson, Mississippi. I went there because I was curious and also because I was a college kid who had all the answers. No one was going to teach me anything and I could lay, I could lay a few answers on them. I sat in the back of this tent meeting and I got really caught up in the music, clapping and singing, tremendously exciting. After a while, I felt something about the people. There was a tremendous yearning, looking for answers, trying to ease a hard, a very hard burden of very rough lives. After a while, the music stopped and the preacher walked out. I remember thinking that all the education I had, all the books, all the words, all the learning I went through at college didn't mean anything to these people. I had nothing for them. So I found myself pulling for this man who was about to give them something that I couldn't even begin to give them. And my question for you is, have you ever had a very humbling moment like this in your life? <laughs> uh, 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 I would say the most humbling moment I had in my life uh, in terms of stand-up career was uh, in whenever people say, like, what's one of your biggest bombs? I go, well, let me tell you. Now, when I when you and I came up, uh, one of the things certainly was popular in L.A. was for comedy clubs to do these themed nights. And by theme, I mean, pick a race. And that's refried Fridays. Yeah. Refried Fridays. I cut my teeth at refried Fridays. But one of the first ones I did outside of refried Fridays was uh, uh, the Ontario Improv did an urban show. And I'd never done an urban show before. And a bunch of comics kind of talked it up in a way that, uh, and I'm sure the name of it was something racist. <laughs> it was something. It was something where if you heard it today, you're like, Ugh, people went out to that. I built it up so much in my head, and I pandered. I went on stage to a, a, a almost all black audience, and I started like break dancing, and I started like calling out to the DJ to play some music when I haven't gone over anything with him. So he's like, "What the fuck? Okay." Like, and he's trying to find music, and it's just, and I bombed the most horrible death. And, and, and when you bomb in front of black people, it's even worse because they're not necessarily yelling at you. They just ignore you. They just turn. They just have a conversation like you're not existing and you're performing your guts out or trying. And uh, so that set made me realize you don't have to pander. You don't have to. People don't want you to be like them. They want you to be yourself. And, and they just want you to do what you do. And the next time I did, I did an urban room, I just did my shit. I just did the stuff that was works for me. And funny is funny. And it went great. So I was like, okay, that's the lesson there. So that was truly the humbling lesson of, hey, man, just do you. Trust in yourself. Funny is funny. And that helps even now because... Like I'm about to announce a bunch of a bunch of international dates. Really? Uh, Where are you going, going? I'm going to the UK and I'm going to Australia. I'm gonna be doing places like Amsterdam and Norway. And, you bringing the family? Uh, fortunately not. Uh, oh. I would like to, but it's just uh, it's it's not gonna work yeah, out. Yeah, you can't get a prostitute in Amsterdam if your wife's <laughs> there, dude. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but but in going there, I'm thinking like, oh my god, am I, am I gonna have to like completely change how I perform or whatever? And no. I'm like, no. Be your authentic self. They're, if they're buying a ticket, they like me. 
they 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 like what I'm doing and they know about it. So that's what I'm gonna do, and that's the show they're gonna get. And uh, I can't wait, man. And so it's yeah, but it's that set specifically at the the Urban Night at the at the Ontario Improv where I bombed. I would be unable to watch this. She's hearing about the set right now, and then she's <laughs> very like sad. Um, all right, let's see if there anything else I really want to go over. I mean, Cherry Cherry's great. This mm-hmm. is Bilbo Review, the live sound, bouncing arrangements. Nah, Done too soon. There, that was the song that I was talking about. That was the one that me and my buddy, Jesus Christ, Penny Rice, dun, 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 Mootsy Boga. Okay. This is basically a, a song style, which just names a bunch of famous people in the world. REM uh, used this technique when they did It's the End of the World as We Know It. And then, yeah. um, what's his face? Uh, Billy Joel. Yeah, did, We Didn't Start the Fire. It, it was arguably his worst song. <laughs> I hate that song so much, and he plays it every fucking show. Yeah, he's got to. And now I, I wonder how, I wonder what he thinks of the Fallout Boy uh, when they updated. Did uh, they really? Yeah, Fallout Boy updated We Didn't Start the Fire of like all the stuff that happened when he when from when Billy Joel ended the song until now. And it's just really interesting. It's just a weird song to hear cuz much like the original, it juxtaposes events that you're like, "Why are we singing about JLo's green dress and also 9/11?" Like like why are those things back to back? So yeah, it's it's just kind of weird, but eh, if people like it, great. All right, let's let's wrap this up. I guess it's like I want to talk what songs do you feel should have been on this? Um, I like I, we kind of mentioned it earlier. America, Forever in Blue Jeans. Yeah, those are the standard Love on the hits. Rocks. Come on, dude. Love on the Rocks. Ain't no surprise. Yeah, like you know what? It's like this is one of those things where it's like, all right, you know, this is why I love Spotify. Is like you go to Spotify, you go Dark Lord Spotify. I'm so sorry, everybody. Thanks again, uh, Joe Rogan, for taking all the money and having them drop my show. Uh, <laughs> God's honest truth, dude. God's honest truth. Um, sweet, you know. Look, girl, you'll be a woman soon. You know, Forever in Blue Jeans. Ah, shit, is September Morn on here? No, it's like there's a lot of great stuff. You don't bring me flowers? Beautiful noise? The duet with Barbara Streisand. Yes, I know a Neil Diamond Barbara Streisand song. It's fucking great. It's a good song. I like it. Sue me. <laughs> Just let's hear one Love on the Rocks and then we'll wrap. We'll do our finals. Sing it, Neil. My producer hates this part right now. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Ugh. Ain't no surprise. Tell me a story. Just pour me a drink and I'll tell you some lies. How many times have you been uh, confused with Jason Wee Man Akuna? <laughs> How many times? Is it, oh. Like realistically? Oh, hundreds. It's, not, it's a SoCal it, thing, it, too. Yeah, it's definitely a SoCal thing. I can't go to a taco restaurant without someone thinking I own it. Uh, he owns uh, Chronic Tacos uh, out there. So uh, if I'm ever on a skateboard, uh, people will assume. Yeah, it's just like one of the craziest ones is when, like, I've been at, co- I've, I've been at comedy festivals. And I've hung out with Steve-O. If I'm with Steve-O. Everybody. Everyone. Sure. sure. That has to be Wee Man. <laughs> Steve-O can't know two. <laughs> so, yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, with, uh, with uh, the rise of popularity, uh, that's happening less and less. Dude, you're, I think at a certain point, it's yeah. like you're, you've, you've already, it's like you're neck and neck. And now you're crossing into where now people are going to start thinking he's Brad Williams. Yeah. Uh, he's told me that's happened a couple of times. And that made me so happy. But now I'm getting... 
stuff from other little people where they write me and they say, hey, someone thought it was you today. And I'm like, ah, good. It's happening to other dwarves. Somebody said, I was at a show in, at the Punchline in Atlanta and somebody said I was a combination of, it was like Charlie Day and Peter Dinklage. And I, or no, it wasn't Peter. It was like Mel Gibson and Peter Dinklage. And I was like, I don't, something like that. I don't know but if I that's know a Peter, compliment. <laughs> Peter Dinklage was in there and I was like, what? Yeah. I was like, yeah, he's great. And I'm like, yeah, dude. But I as know. a comic, I, like I don't know. That, no, that, that's dude. a very strange compliment. So Neil Diamond has released over thirty studio albums and wow. sports over sixty-eight point two million certified sales. He's been inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame in '84 and into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2011. Also in 2011, he was an honoree at the Kennedy Center Honors. He received the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 2018. Diamond also won a Golden Globe Award for Best Original Score and a Grammy Award for Best Score Soundtrack Album for a Motion Picture. Thereafter, Diamond often included a Jonathan Livingston Siegel suite from the soundtrack in his live performances. In 2002, Diamond received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Diamond is the only artist to score a top 20 hit in each decade since the creation of the Billboard's adult contemporary chart. Wow. In a career spanning five decades, he has scored 38 top 40 singles, 16 top 10 albums on the Billboard charts. And Suck he, it, Drake. Yeah, you know, look, you know, we could sit here and act, or you could, not us, because we're actually giving him the props that he deserves. Yeah. You, you could sit there and say that Neil Diamond is a joke. He's, like I said, he's the Jewish... Tom Jones, but yeah. it's he's undeniable how important he is to music, and maybe it's not our style, but but like they said, adult contemporary is a fucking is a style of music that people yeah. fucking love. And I don't listen to it a lo- like a lot. Of, I don't listen to uh, other adult contemporary artists a lot. <laughs> but man, when it hits, it fucking hits, man. Yeah, yacht rock, dude. Yacht rock is great. Yacht Rock is like my go-to mor- uh, morning station. Same with Big J. Big J, dude. That's the funny thing about someone like him. You look at him and you think that he's like knows every corn song, and he probably does. Yeah. But he also fucking loves, and I mean loves, this kind of shit. And it's great music. Yeah. Great music. And I'm Well, so- it's like the Great American Songbook. There's a reason why everyone covers it, and it's always good. You'll always, you know, you always hear, okay, well, how did Rod Stewart do it? How did Michael Buble do it? How did whatever? Like, it's. It's good shit. It's good shit. Good shit. And I'm so glad that you came on for this. All right. I'm going to ask you the same questions I ask everybody. All right. Favorite song on this record. Uh, And now that I heard the story behind it, it, it makes me love the song even more. But Shiloh. Shiloh. It's just a song where you're like, and like I said, now that I know the story, it just makes it that much better. I mean, yeah, I like the hits. I love Song Sung Blue. I love that song and he can do a 20 minute version of that song in a concert where he just has the audience keep saying song song blue, weeping like a willow and it's just like the whole thing but i it, it's great do yourself a favor and listen to shiloh from hot august nights it, the live version of it's incredible dude he, he really belts the shit out of it what's your least favorite song on this uh done too soon done too really that's the one i like you fucking mook ah, i love that song it's all good it's all good and but that's the thing is i don't hate any songs on this record? I get it because I get it. It's a, that's a tough question. Yeah, because because that you might think that if I heard it, I wouldn't dance to it or like it or hum along to it. I would. If if you say, hey, pick the song that you want to hear from this album, I'm not going to say done too soon. But if it comes on, I'm not mad. <laughs> I get it. All right. Um, <laughs> there's, there's there's no way you're going to say yes to this. Can you fuck to this record? No. You can't. What you, could you fuck to? Like what? Maybe. All right. This is the secret to a good fuck list for all the uh, younger. Yeah, hit me. Uh, 
the secret is it's got to be good music but in my opinion you can't know the actual lyrics because if you know the lyrics, you start singing the lyrics in your head and then it distracts you from what you're doing. Which is fucking. And that's the most important part, being present in the sex. Yes. So you can't like, all right, so here, so here's a story from me and my wife. This is real. Um, she introduced me to Alabama Shakes. I was, not, I was unaware of them. And then I went over to her apartment in San Francisco and we first started dating and we started getting busy and Alabama Shakes started playing. And I literally stopped in the middle of sex and went, who is this? Because the the songs were so. The songs were so good that I'm yeah. just like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Who is this? And like, we still talk about it to this day. But uh, so it's like the good fuck music has to be. It's got a rhythm. It's enjoyable. Maybe you know the song, but like, yeah, uh, yeah. To quote the great, the great Brandon Boyd from Incubus. Hell yeah, former guest of the podcast. Nice. You want to be present. Yep. And the music can't be taking you out of it. Yes. It's got to be background. Yes. That's why, my opinion, something like Portishead, Massive Attack, it's just I, the melody itself, which is all brilliant music. Portishead. But it's all, uh, bri- it's all brilliant music. Yes. But it's just sexy. Deftones, sexy. Sexy rock. I have a Portishead list saved. And just yeah. put, dude, just put on put on any one of their albums. The third one I really wouldn't do. I would do the first two. I was hooking up with a girl recently, and I put on Portis Head, and she was like, "Oh, she's like, we were just kind of like making out." She's like, "Oh, we're, you're, she's like, you're, we're, you want to fuck?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, see, <laughs> I uh, you, you're at my place." That that yeah, that is the problem. If if now that like I remember, I heard a Portis Head song in the TV show Rescue Me. Uh, and it was when uh, a, a sex scene was happening, and I was like, "Oh, this works!" Yeah, and it really does. Yeah, and then so yeah, now now I feel like it's getting popular to where, yeah, a girl might know this the is best, dude. Still good. All right, last question: What would be your elevator pitch to get someone to listen to Neil Diamond? Oh, just some of the best singer songwriter. Lyrics, no matter what you're going through, will spark a feeling in you, no matter what. These songs could be, you could be happy, this song will make you happier. You can be sad, this song will make you sadder. You can be getting ready for something. This is good getting ready music. It's just what, it, 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 it's kind of like weed in a way where it's like, it's just gonna enhance everything. Like it's just gonna enhance whatever you're going through, this will enhance that. I, I can't argue with any of that mm-hmm. um the only thing i can add is that you know there's there's a whole section of of music that that a lot of us never got introduced to and the, like you said the great american songbook is is the is the called the great american songbook for a reason and he is arguably in the discussion of writing songs that go into that billy joel him Yep. Elton John's British, but you know, yeah. we just the great songbook more than anything. Yeah, the great songwriters, great singer songwriters. And and I and I gotta say this, man, is that I I mean, I'm just I'm so happy that you were the guest for this today because goddamn when I get to hang out with you and two, it's just I never would have thought. I needed somebody that appreciated Neil as much as I do, and you fucking knocked it out of the park. So please promote away anything you need to promote. Uh uh yes, so uh Brad Williams comedy.com, big tour. Uh I'm I'm going freaking every 
everywhere. I know that was the name of Tom Segura's tour. But like literally, uh, I get hit up by people like, when are you coming to this part of Georgia? You never come to Georgia? I'm coming to Georgia. When are you coming to Bismarck, North Dakota? I'm coming to Bismarck, North Dakota. Like wherever you are, I will be within a two hour drive. Okay. I'm going to Terre Haute, Indiana. All right. So like I'm going to all these places. Uh, go to BradWilliamsComedy.com. Buy a ticket. Come see a show. We're adding shows in a bunch of different markets. Uh, so we're doing like in Dallas, we're doing like two at the Majestic Theater, which is an amazing theater. So yes, uh, I'm stoked for that. And then watch the special. It's called Starfish. It's on the website Veeps. Go to Veeps.com. V-E-E-P-S. Uh, or they also have an app. Uh, type in Brad Williams. And yeah, enjoy the special. Come see me live. And uh, follow me on Instagram. It's probably the best social media uh, at, at Brad Williams Comic. Go see Brad live. He's one of the best performers out there. I love you, buddy. Love I, you too, I, dude. Honest to God, love you. Thank you for coming on, man. Thanks. What I tell you, what I tell you, the one and only Brad Williams. Follow him on Instagram at Brad Williams Comic. On Twitter at Funny Brad. His website is bradwilliamscomedy.com. And check out Starfish on Veeps, everybody. It is worth it. He is one of the funniest comics I've ever seen. And you will enjoy it. All right. For new music, we have got Jackie Avancho. This is her single, Consequences. And you can find links to the music on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you are in a band and you were directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you want your music featured on the 500, just send us your song, even if it doesn't have anything to do with the episode. We will play it. We love you guys. We want to help you guys. Send us your song. We got a nice size audience out there, so we will we'll get it out to the masses for you, okay? All right, guys, dig it. Next week, you 2 week, as we go deep into war, uh, do your homework. Bye-bye.
Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. Next Chapter Podcasts.